y'all know I dress a little bit kind of crazy, right? And a lot of times other art teachers will ask me, you know, I know you dress kind of silly in your art room. Do you change before you go out to like the bank or the post office or the grocery store after school? Now, I don't have time for that. And frankly, I don't care. In fact, you know, when you start dressing kind of oddly, the moment you put your clothes on, you step into that can-can, you throw on those multicolored chucks, you kind of forget what you're wearing. I mean, it happens to me a lot when I go out because people will point out my clothing to me and I'll look down and I'll be like, oh, yeah, I forgot I look like a clown. I've been asked things like, so are you going to a square dance? Yeah, that was just the other day at the grocery store. Or if I was one of those birthday party princess people. Or I've also been asked where the party was, to which I respond, honey, I am the party. Look at me. And it's funny, whenever I have this kind of conversation with strangers who are always, for the most part, really, really nice, they always say the same thing. Oh, you're an art teacher. I bet they love you. They probably never misbehave for you. <laughs> if they only knew. I could spend the rest of this podcast talking all about all of the kids gone wild in art class stories, but I will spare you because I am sure you have plenty of your own. Instead, I'm going to share with you one of my very favorite stories, a a classic, shall we call it, a Cassie classic. And please pardon me if you've heard this one before, as I have shared it many a times, as it is a real gem. I will never forget. It started with kindergarten, because let's be honest, it always starts with kindergarten. And I got this wild hair that I should have my kindergartners paint on the very first day of art class. Yeah. I I mean, I've been teaching for a while, so I was feeling a little bit, you know, like, "Mm, I can do anything. I can even have these kiddos painting on the first day. Y'all, side note, don't do it. You can't do it. Not even Mary Poppins could handle the scandal, uh, especially knowing what went down in my room. So we're painting away when all of a sudden I hear this little girl say, I got paint on me. I got paint on me. Now, y'all, this little girl was wearing a red toggle button coat in August in Tennessee. It's a bajillion degrees in August in Tennessee. And I had tried many a times to get her to take that coat off before we started painting. I had no idea why she was wearing it, but she wasn't about to take it off. And I had told her, well, we're painting. There's a good chance you could get paint on that coat. And what do you know? Don't you guys know I wanted to say, girl, I done told you this was going to happen, but I didn't. I took a deep breath and I decided to to make a learning experience out of it. I said, it's okay. Uh, This is art class. Sometimes we get pain on us, but don't worry. It always washes out. Then I turned on my little Converse teal and I started to walk away. And I was not three paces away from that little munchkin before I hear the entire kindergarten class go, oh, y'all. I turned back around and little Miss Harriet Houdini had not only managed to unbutton all 27 buttons of that toggle button coat, but she'd also managed to wrangle out of it and take off her top. She stood there 
completely topless, jumping up and down, saying that the paint was now gone. No more paint on me. Those were her words. And before I could do or say anything, I hear a tiny little voice from across the room say, I can see her niblets. And that was the last time I ever did paint on the very first day of school or even the very first month of school with kindergarten. You know what? Sometimes no matter how wild and wacky you dress, no matter how fun and exciting you make your classroom and how much you establish those rules and routines, sometimes our sweet little artists don't follow our rules and routines. Why? Why is that? It's a great question. The teacher in question of all time. And we're going to talk about it today. Let's talk about why our students might not be following our rules and routines and what to do about it. There are countless reasons as to why our students might not be following our rules and routines. Some of them have to do with us. Some of them have to do with our students. But really, it's not a matter of finger pointing. The ultimate goal is to figure out why. If you've done a lot of time thinking about your rules and routines and really creating that, that why, understanding your why and, and creating your rules around it, then you know that your rules and routines were created with your little artists in mind to provide for them the most amazing art experience you can. And so that's why. It's like really heartbreaking. I know I take it personally when I see rules and routines just being disregarded and not followed. But we can't take it personally. What we can do is try to figure out why they're not being followed and then do something about it. I think that the main reason that our students may not follow our rules and routines is because they have a lack of a connection with us. Kids often behave for the teachers that they like, and they often misbehave for the ones they don't care for. Think about it. When you have people in your life that you love and care about, and that love and care about you, then it's just a beautiful thing. They treat you kindly and you do the same. People are like mirrors. We often reflect how people are treating us with similar feelings and actions. As a young teacher, I often confused getting kids to, quote, like me with being their friend, you know, like their buddy, their cool big sister slash art teacher. And there's something about you removing your teacher hat and putting on your backwards baseball cool kid hat that lowers your authoritative kind of status in the minds of your students. You have to find a balance. And it's really, really tricky. But you need to find a balance of a nurturer, a caregiver, a teacher, a leader, and a friend. And here's how I would recommend that you do that. First of all, it really helps to learn your kids' names. And I know some of you guys teach at schools that are massive, so that is one tall order. 
I teach at a school where I've been for 15 years, and I only have like 350 kids in my school. I know pretty much their first, middle, and last name, which I will use if they are misbehaving. But I've also a lot of times created nicknames for my students. It's just a habit that I have. And most of the time, the nicknames stick and the kids really enjoy having them. That little bit helps to create a connection. As hard as it may be to remember the names of your students, I would really, I would really encourage you to give it a try. The other thing that I think is important is to give you know, high fives or smiles or pats on the back. You've probably seen those videos where there's young students getting ready to enter their classroom and their teacher has created a sign outside the door that usually is a, an, a, a drawing, an icon for a high five, a hug, or a handshake. And the kids can point to whatever one that they would like to be greeted with and then they do that before entering the room. I love watching those videos so much. They're so stinking touching, and you can tell that it makes a huge difference with the kids. And as much as I would love to do that in my art room with my short classes, I know that I just can't make it happen, and I know it's something that I could not stick with as far as consistency goes. But when my students are answering questions, when they're working at their seats, as they're leaving my room, I do like to make sure to have a moment with them like that where I might pat them on the back or, or give them a high five or just a little something that allows them to see that I am acknowledging them. Our kids crave and deserve our attention. And when we're able to give it to them, they soak it up like sunshine. Of course, I think it really helps to give very specific comments, especially when they're working. And I, you know how it is when they're working. Do you like mine like this? Do you like mine, Miss Stevens? And, you know, your knee-jerk reaction is to be like, yeah, that looks great. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, I love that. And I used to do that all the time, just kind of giving blanket statements. I thought I was doing such an awesome job because I was encouraging all of them. And then I heard a little girl say to another girl, she says the same thing to everybody. And that really gave me pause because she was right. I was just kind of glancing over everybody's work, just making sure they were doing a good job. And yeah, that looks super. How awesome. And I wasn't pouring any real thought into the words that were coming out of my mouth. So that's when I decided to get specific and really point out the things that were making their artwork or even their creative process unique. And that leads me to the next thing that I think is important. It's so important to focus on their effort and not their talent. There's no faster way to turn a kid off to you and to your class by focusing on the talent. Kids are funny because they like to pigeonhole each other. That, you know, Matthew's good at math, Sarah's good at reading, you know, Keisha is our classroom artist. I absolutely hate that because kids will live up to our expectations. So my goal is to always let them know, know that we are all artists. It takes on many shapes, forms, and sizes. Sure, Keisha may be great at drawing, but look how amazing you are at sculpting and problem solving and color mixing. So focusing on the effort, the trying, will encourage them to continue to try 
and not give up because they're not as talented as somebody else. And of course, you've got to offer process praise, but not person praise. Being good at drawing does not make Keisha a good person. I mean, we're hoping she's a good person, but it doesn't define who she is. Praising what they do is one thing, but don't let that be the deciding factor of of their identity in your room. Get to know them as a person, not just the artist, the maker in your space. I think another reason that kids sometimes misbehave Um, and this is true in my room, is because they're not interested in whatever it is we are doing. If they um, don't give a flying flip, then they kind of let me know and they are going to find other ways to distract themselves. Things that I would rather they not do. I remember when I was student teaching in Ireland, I was teaching middle school and y'all, I didn't have a clue what I was doing, but the weather was beautiful there. The landscape was gorgeous and I enjoyed painting outside. So what lesson did I do every single day with those kids in Ireland? You better believe I was hauling them outside every chance I could get. And you better believe they got super bored, super fast. No 13 year old boy or girl really cares to paint a landscape for the fifth time in a row. Shoot, man, they were bored after the first 10 minutes on the first day. It got so out of hand that I remember at one point, a couple of boys tipped another kid into like the little, um, I forget what it was called, the levee, the levee into the river water. Thankfully, the soccer team was outside playing and the coach was able to pull him out. But that was just in the I remember the chair just went floating along Bye, chair. Nice knowing you. The student teacher from America completely sucks. I mean, it was embarrassing, but I learned that I was not doing lessons that they were invested in, that they were interested in. If you notice that your students are just kind of going through the motions It's because they lack engagement in the lesson. Are your lessons out of the ordinary? I know that when I provide my students with supplies that they use in their classrooms, markers, crayons, they're not as excited uh, unless I'm doing things like introducing them to clay, fibers, and um, plaster. Those out-of-the-ordinary materials are what really ignites their imagination So I try to make it so when they come to my room once or twice a week for that short amount of time that they have that we're really doing something out of the ordinary, something that they could do in no other place throughout the school but the art room. I also love to keep them guessing and wanting more. When they come to my art room, I try to make it so they have no idea what they are in for. That creates some engagement. When they come in and the lights are dimmed and the strobe lights going, when they come in and I'm wearing a unicorn costume, when they come in and I'm singing some ridiculous song, it catches them off guard and it gets them excited and engaged and ready to learn. And of course, you've got to tap into what they're interested in. That's where they're going to feel more invested in your art class. That being said, I think that a lack of voice and a lack of choice 
in an art room can really lead to kids breaking rules, breaking routines. I know a lot of teachers out there um, are TAB, teaching artistic behavior or choice-based teachers. Those teachers are really offering choice and voice in their classroom. That's not something that I do in my room, but if that's something that sounds interesting to you, then I recommend you do a little bit of digging and investigating about it. But in my room, what voice and choice looks and sounds like is offering choice in art. Meaning if my students are going to be using construction paper for whatever reason, I'm gonna give them every different color in the rainbow. If my kids are going to be painting, no matter what it is, I wanna give them a whole bunch of different colors to choose from. You are the artist. It is up to you. I say that all the time. You are the artist. It is your choice. Let them know that. Give them the opportunity to make those choices. And of course, encouraging their voice in art. No, none of us want all of their works of art to look the same. We don't want to hang up artwork in the hallway and have it look as though the kids colored coloring sheets that were all identical. We want to see their beautiful and unique voice. So make sure that you're allowing that to happen in your room. And I know I've talked about this recently, but a lack of boundaries, as crazy as it may sound, especially in the art room, but a lack of boundaries can really lead to our students breaking our rules and not following our routines. Boundaries get such a bad rap. In fact, boundaries seem like so much the opposite of what an art room should have, don't you think? But boundaries create safety and comfort, care and support for our students. And in the lives of many of my students, there's no boundaries. And without boundaries, their life can seem chaotic and frightening and lonely. And I never want my students to feel like that in my room. I like to think of it this way, and I know I've shared this analogy before, but if there's a storm outside and you had to create art, would you feel more comfortable doing so in a tent with it flapping around, with it constantly shaking? Would you be able to relax and create in such a chaotic and scary environment? Or would you be better equipped and feeling more comfortable and secure to do it in the safety of a, a solid structure? One that was built on a firm foundation. One where you knew exactly what to expect and what was expected of you. Boundaries make it so our students feel comfortable and safe. And a lot of times I feel like our students are more likely to follow our rules and routines to help make sure that, that those boundaries stay in place. Look. Kids are going to break our rules. They're going to forget your routines. My kids break rules and quote unquote forget routines all day long. It's like this amazing skill that they've mastered. But with constant, and I do mean constant, reviews, reminders, and redirection, they, as long as Mercury is no longer in retrograde, they will start to get it as long as they know that you care, as long as they know that they have a voice and a choice, 
as long as that they know that they are in a safe environment where there's boundaries and there's an engagement for them to be invested in. So all that to say, if you have your students in your room these next couple of weeks and in a month or whenever it is that you go back to school and you're struggling after introducing all your rules and routines to have them follow them, stop and think about why. And then work from there.